Just tell us what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all gentlemen to this fine radio program podcast and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world famous smoking and toasting we are on show number 319 this week and we are very excited because we have two special guests in the studio and we're going to be talking about something that is uh, uh i really don't know a whole lot about so i'm excited to have you guys uh, explain what it is and i also am excited because you brought a lot of beer lots of beer. lots of that. different beers uh which excites us so uh please welcome abby Hines. Hello. And Jill Root. Hi, how are you doing today? Jill, you, Jill is with St. Arnold. And I just want to go on record now as saying we never need to have Lenny Ambrose back on the show again. <laughs> Jill can just come in. She brought way more beer than Lenny brought. And did he even bring barrel-aged beers? I don't. I did that, too. I don't think oh. he didn't bring barrel-aged, did he? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. It's officially, you're officially, we're requesting you each time from St. Arnold. St. Sorry, Arnold, Lenny. Yeah. So, sorry, Lenny. You, 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 you just kind of, you know, were bumped out. It's the way it works sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, Abby, welcome to the show. Um, you're here in a couple of different capacities. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yes. All right, so talk about brewery capacity first, and then let's talk Pink Boots. Sure. Um, I work for Great Heights Brewery over off of Wakefield. I'm a part of their sales team, and I'm also um, in the front of the house for the brew, brew So house. Great Heights is in the Houston Heights. St. Arnold, of course, also yeah. in Houston. That's where we hail from, even though the show is heard all over the world. Uh, and we are going to be a little bit Houston-centric today, but largely because of something that Abby is involved in that is the other reason that you're on the show and that's Pink Boots, which yeah. I know it has to do with promoting women in the craft beer industry, mm -hmm. but that's about as far as my knowledge goes. So tell us what Pink Boots is really all about. Yeah. Uh, Jill and I are both members of the Pink Boots Society, and our mission is, and Pink Boots is a aim to assist and inspire and encourage women and non-binary individuals in the fermented and alcoholic beverage industry to advance their careers through education. So it's not just beer, but it's all uh, the whole, uh, basically the whole fermented beverage uh, yep. industry. Including so. wine and spirits. Um, it did used to be just beer-centric. Um, and just within the last couple of years, we've expanded and opened it up to all, ferment all fermentables. Now, there's been a lot of talk across the last couple of years, particularly in the craft beer industry, uh, about the need for it to be more inclusive, more inclusive to women, more inclusive to minorities. And I, at least I've seen what feels like there's been some really good strides in this area. Would you agree with that? Or is it do we still have so far to go that that it's not not really accountable step yet? Oh, um, I definitely think we definitely have some more work to do. There's always more work to do, but I think we have made a lot of strides, especially in the last uh, five years that um, craft beer has really gained a huge boom. Uh, our chapter in itself is six years old, and uh, we've grown to 70, 78 members, almost 80 members. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, we're one of the top 10 largest uh Chapters actually internationally. And then part of what you do, if I if I do understand this part, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you get involved in collaborations with different breweries doing excuse me, doing different beers to spotlight what the movement is about. Is that right? That that is absolutely correct. Uh so so through Yakima Chief, uh throughout the year, Pink Boots, we uh will get a hop uh 
14 different hops and we'll do a hop rub uh, as a chapter and then we pick out our favorite seven hops and we send that back to Pink Boots Nationals. And they take all that data and then um, do a final hop rub at GABC or GABF where they pick mm -hmm. out uh, the last three to four hops that they want in the blend and then uh, the breweries will purchase that hop blend and Proceeds from that purchase will go back to Pink Boots and also uh, back to our chapter directly to help with scholarship opportunities. For for those who don't know what a hop rub is, can you explain what that is? <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll sounds get, like something I want to do. It's, but <laughs> it's fun. Uh, so we'll get uh, little hop pellets and then we open up the packages and we just start putting them into our hands and then breaking them up and letting all of the smells the come aromas through, the, the hops, aromas, yeah. and then we just start picking out the notes that we like best from them or what, like maybe if uh, somebody has an idea of what beer that they would like to do, if they're smelling those characteristics of what would what what um, style of beer is going to go really nice with this with these uh, blend of hops. So yeah, uh, it's really great because all the different breweries can get really creative with the hops. So when a brewery chooses to uh, work with the hops that you've selected or the mixture of hops that you've selected, uh, does that then become a sort of a, does what they use that for become a tribute, a specific Pink Boots release? Is that is that how that works? Yes. Okay, yeah. now, cool. Are, are breweries taking those hops and, and creating a... Um uh, a mash bill from from ground up for that beer or some of them some of them just taking and altering existing beers that happen or is it a little bit of both in in our case with saint arnold uh just because we are the brewery of our size like we're basically taking that blend and adding it as a dry hop to mm -hmm. a pre-existing beer um this year we're kind of trying out our we have a brand new imperial hazy ipa called banger so we're uh, trying this uh, uh, like a banger, had, like a banger song. You uh, had me at Imperial Haze. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's eight point four percent. It's uh, but it's deceptively smooth. And By the delicious. way, just so you know, um, we declared uh, after Dry January, which I don't know, like. Who originated that? But I don't like I it. I've never even heard uh, of this. After, but after dry January, we instituted Imperial February, <laughs> and we are still kind of carrying that through into March. Just so you know, we've tried to have an Imperial uh, in our beer lineup every week. So this that's is that's a good goal to good. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, but that's what we like. Yeah, you know? the blend this year was super like citrusy and like just smelled amazing, and and we thought the the banger IPA. Or we're also trying our um, Harmony, which is I love Harmony. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a it. It's a lighter style mm -hmm. IPA. It's only but six it's and nice a half. But it's nice and hazy. It's wonderful. And yeah, yeah it, it has citron mosaic normally, but uh, yeah, we thought that base beer would also be great for this blend for a dry hop. You know what's interesting about St. Arnold is that, you know, because it's been around longer than most crepperies, in, at least in this area, um, you guys did not start out as, you, all, you had a, a solid IPA in your original uh, offerings. But you, it wasn't until uh, Art Car that you became a little more IPA focused. But then, right around that same time, all these other breweries started doing crazy amounts of IPAs. St. Arnold didn't fall into that. Like you guys stayed sort of, sort of tried and true. You had Art Car, you, but you stayed on the on target with all these other styles and stuff. And now I see you kind of edging into like a few. I love your hazy, your juicy IPA, which I think is is just it's one of the better. It's one of my favorite IPAs right now. Uh, and then the harmony is great. And now you've got this bangers coming out. So it's kind of like 
after the IPA craze sort of died down is when you guys said, here, try this one. And I just thought that was really cool because you weren't doing it because yeah. it was the trend. You also did you know? the yeah. double art car recently. Yes. Too. Yeah, yeah that's right. still around. We we have it in cans and grocery. And yeah, that is, um, yeah, that's a, a very strong <laughs> double IPA. It's delicious. Perfect um, for and we're still making public. Alyssa, too. Uh, you are still making it. Now, yeah. I don't see it as often. You it's, obviously have it at the brewery, right? On tap at the brewery. Uh, you go down the Alyssa ship in Galveston. You'll mm -hmm. see it there on tap. Uh, but it's it's mostly packaged, and it's in, you know, we've got it in six-pack bottles. We started canning again because mm -hmm. we brought back our IPA variety pack in grocery stores. And, um, yeah. Okay. I, I have to do this. This is purely selfish motivation. But I have to take the opportunity, because you're here, to grovel for the return of Sailing Santa. <laughs> Sailing Santa was a combination of Alyssa and the Christmas sale. Correct. And I had, when you, you guys stopped making it at a certain point, and every year I try again to combine them on my own without success. <laughs> it does same. not work. Uh, will you ever bring that back? I, or will you Possibly. at least ask them to yeah, do it? Yeah, I hear a lot of what people want brought back. I mean, Santo comes up a lot. Weed uh -huh. Whacker, Endeavor. Um, Boiler we're, Room. Yeah, we're Boiler trying room. to. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> but we're we're hoping to have a pilot system at our brewery soon oh, cool. where we can do smaller batches and right, have tap room release specials. Tap room only release. I will be, yeah. if you do Sailing Santa, I will be there. <laughs> I will be there. I promise. Uh, well, this so pink boots sounds really interesting. Now, I want to ask more about it as the program goes on. And we're going to be trying some pink boots beers. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, if you want to go ahead, maybe pass that over to Ian. You can let him yeah. pour. He is happy to do the the lifting. But Ian, while she's doing that, I of course have to take this opportunity to ask if you have smoked anything uh, interesting lately. And I know you have to kind of look at your notes. Oh, oh so now for I that have to and do two pour things at, at the once. same time. So maybe pass it to me. I'll pour. I, did, you I didn't me. know this job was so complicated. Yeah. Uh, you have to be ambidextrous, which means something. Right, I'm I will not wax really sure what that poetic is. about cigars. Uh, you, you do that. Tell me what you had an opportunity to smoke this week, and was it interesting? While I pour, by the way, uh, this is oh, this is a, a, a Lily Belgian saison. Is that what that is? Yep. Wonderful yep. from Great Heights Brewing. Yeah. And this is a Pink Boots. It's uh, a Pink Boots collaboration. Right. It's a dry hopped. Uh, I can't saison. wait. I'm very Belgian excited. Saison. So uh, today I went by uh, Casa de Monte Cristo. I uh, actually thought about you when I grabbed this particular cigar. I thought, I don't know if he's had this yet. I grabbed the uh, Ferri Otega Timeless. I, I have not. I'm, I'm very excited to have it because I liked Timeless before I went on my uh, Nate Sherman boycott. And, and, <laughs> right, and right. Uh, now that it's owned by someone else, uh, I'm excited to try well, I it again. Well, I did my normal mental inventory. I walked through and see what's new. And they have a whole section. They moved a few things. They have a whole section of uh, Ferry Otega now. And I was, I was like, I don't recognize that label. So then I saw the Timeless. And I uh, went ahead and picked one up. And uh, this was the Torpedo 6x52. This is a Nicaraguan Puro. Um, the appearance on this cigar, espresso brown wrapper, somewhat veiny, box pressed, medium firmness with some soft spots, uh, black and gold, uh, timeless supreme band. So it has the classic timeless band. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Which looks kind of like a watch face. Right, right. Yeah. right. And then underneath it, it said supreme. And then it has secondary band that said uh, uh, made for uh, uh, Ferry Otega. I'm not sure where this, I should have looked up where it was, uh, where it was uh, constructed, but uh, I didn't look that up. Uh, anyway, it felt very nice. The pre-light sniff on this, I got earthy and chocolate notes. I got sweet coffee and slightly barnyard notes going on. 
um, the pre-light draw. I used a clip. Uh, I had a light draw, sweet, creamy coffee, rich earth, cocoa, and some fruit going on in there. The fruit I was not expecting from the nose mm. earlier on it. Mm -hmm. The uh, initial light, I got a Nicaraguan pepper waft. Pepper waft. Yes, oh, not a blast. We're getting it we're getting creative with our uh, with our NBB It wasn't exactly a Nicaraguan pepper shoots. blast. Uh, it was it was a waft of pepper. It was really nice actually. Uh, it wasn't overpowering. Nutty and spicy citrus and coffee notes going on on the initial light. The first third of this sweet creamy coffee and cocoa followed by spicy pepper and citrus underlying nuttiness is the foundation on which all the other flavors kind of rest on. The retro hail was peppery and woody. Solid ash, good burn. The second third of this, um, nutty and woody notes provide a backdrop for spicy pepper and cayenne, um, citrus, sweet. Um, it autocorrected to cirrus. I don't know why. <laughs> citrus. Cirrus. Anyway, uh, citrus, sweet cocoa, and coffee are constant throughout. Hints of toast appear here, and the cigar went out. Oh. It was probably due to a conversation that started up about Neil Young. <laughs> well, um, the, yeah, that can put a cigar <laughs> out. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you right now. So I got involved. Um, anyway, uh, no relight penalty when I relit it. The retrohale is peppery and woody, solid ash, good burn. The last third of the citrus and wood notes move forward and interest and add interest to the spicy pepper and mocha kind of flavors, underlying nuttiness and toast keep everything kind of grounded. The retrohale is peppery, nutty, and citrus, solid ash, good burn. Uh, this cigar costs twelve dollars and fifty cents. Uh, see, that's more than it it's, was back in the pricey. day. Pricey, yeah, it's pricey. Yeah. But Timeless Supreme is a solid five, 100%. Oh, very nice. Solid five. Very, very nice. Uh, well, I had an interesting uh, cigar this week, uh, a different uh, different kind of one for me, uh, that I will absolutely talk to you about today. It is the Partagas Añejo Esplendido L.E. And it is a very interesting-looking cigar, kind of a small torpedo that tapers out. And you'll see the picture here, but tapers out. It's wider, about a half an inch from the foot. And then it tapers back down, and it's a little more narrow towards the foot. So it almost looks like a small bell or, or something. Uh, and it's a barber pole. So okay. it's uh, so it's a very interesting and, and different uh, cigar. Short and fat, barber pole wrapper. Uh, Queen's Fat Bottom Girls kept playing in my mind as I was, uh, <laughs> as I was getting ready to light it. Um, the Añejo Esplendido LE is four and a half inches long by 60 ring gauge at its fattest uh, point. But it is, it's heavily curved at about the half point and then narrows back quickly, as I said, at the foot. Partagas used a Cameroon wrapper from the 1998 crop and a Connecticut shade wrapper from 2013 together in the barber pole. So a lot of times when you see the barber pole wrapper, they'll use like a really dark and a really light mm -hmm. to create like a, the contrast of the barber pole. This one, not so much. They were not that different from each other, just enough for you to see mm -hmm. that it, it has a barber pole uh, style to the wrapper. Anyway, underneath the, uh, those leaves is binder from the Dominican Republic and fillers from Mexico and the DR. I used cigar scissors to clip the cap and uh, checked out the pre-light aromas earth and tea leaf on the sniff and a touch of pepper added to those in the cold draw. I decided to use a torch and the cigar lit easily and we were off to the races. The first thing I got from the Añejo Esplendido LE was a definitive earth note, although when I continued to puff on it, the earth note reminded me a little of like an herb garden, you know, that combination mm -hmm. of the the earth and a little bit of the, the sort of sharp notes of the different herbs and stuff. Very rich and lush. There was also a minerality to the smoke and a hint of pepper, especially on the retro hail. Clearly, the Cameroon wrapper was having a pretty big impact on 
the flavor because it, it wasn't mild at all. Uh, in fact, it came in at about medium plus from the very beginning. Not surprisingly for Apartigas, the construction was quite good. In fact, even when I pulled the uh, the band off, it even nicked a little bit of the uh, outside wrapper, and wow. I thought, uh-oh, but it burned right through it with no significant problem. Uh, the construction, as I said, really good. It burned nice and evenly despite the unusual shape. Uh, with a cigar this small, it doesn't take long to get into the second third. Uh, more earthiness, rolled oats, and a continuing touch of pepper. The smoke was thick and creamy, very pleasant on the palate. The pepper ramped up a little bit in the final third, and it was joined uh, by a note of leather. Uh, just like the first two thirds, the final one was nicely complex, with flavors kind of coming and going and keeping things quite interesting as it smoked. Now, while the complexity was nice, it didn't give me a huge boutique cigar vibe, uh, more of kind of a mainstream mix of flavors than the Nicaraguans and Hondurans uh, that I normally smoke. But it was very enjoyable, and it smoked for longer, actually, than I would have thought. Um, construction was great. Ash held on for quite a while, despite the more complicated shape. I was very impressed with that. At 6 to $7, the Partagas Añejo Esplendida L.E., it's small, but it holds up quite nicely for the price range. Uh, and I enjoyed the flavor profile. It was a bit of a change from my usual smoke, so I will recommend it. Uh, give it a solid five price to quality. So there we go. All right. We're going to take uh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, for those of you uh, unaware of the, the, the rating system that we use, it's it's uh, a scale of 1 to 10, but it's price to quality. So if you set, if you spend five – or if you give it a five, you get exactly what you pay for. Right. If you rate it lower, you're not getting what, as much as you pay for or vice versa. Absolutely. All right. So we have to take a break. We're going to taste this beer when we come back. And I also will tell you, we got a lot coming up on the show today, including drinking news. We'll tell you about all of that coming up. But we take a break right now. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 319. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Those are all good things. I love this. Uh, welcome back, and uh, welcome again to our special guest, uh, Joe Root from St. Arnold, and Abby Heim, who is with Pink Boots, and also with Great Heights. And uh, we are thrilled to have you here representing two of my absolute favorite of our hometown uh, breweries, which is absolutely cool. And then Pink Boots, well, I'm excited to find out more about it. Before we get to this first beer, which I know I've made us wait a torturously long amount of time uh, before we've gotten to, uh, I've been, to, I've been doing research to tasting it, I do want to mention a couple of the things we have coming up on the show. In addition to all the wonderful be beers that these ladies have brought, we'll also be tasting some rum today, some Dos Madeiras Solera Selection Triple Aged Rum. That's We've easy for you. had Dos Madeiras before what was one of their older aged uh, uh, rums, mm -hmm. and uh, it was wonderful. This one is now a mix of rums that have been aged even longer. So I, I always get excited, actually, about uh, about mixed rums where they where they where they're blended, because generally speaking, when they're blended rums, they're blending for flavor, right. and that has a tendency to get us to some of those flavor notes in in rum that I enjoy the most. So very excited about trying this one. We also will be talking about drinking trends for 2023, which I thought would be interested in uh, in uh, discussing with our uh, with our friends from the breweries here. And uh, Mexico has banned smoking in public. And no one is paying any attention. <laughs> so we'll let you know about that. Uh, maybe some craft beer predictions for 2023. And, of course, the return of our most popular segment on the program, a little thing we like to call drinking news, where we bring you stories that are sometimes but not always about drinking, 
but they're always best enjoyed if you've been drinking. And today's drinking news teaser headline for you. A gator for a pet. And we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. <laughs> right now, I want to get to this Saison. Uh, uh, Tell me again, this is called Lily, right? Yeah. And you guys did this with? Uh, we did this with the Pink Boots Hot Blend. So okay. it's going to be with Laurel, Eucanut, and HBC 586, which That's is going to be. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> a... <laughs> I was going to call that one out. Yeah, okay. So Laurel, Eucanut, and the HBC 586. 586. Uh, so those are the hops that mm -hmm. are blended in this. And, of, of course, the. The um, the Belgian style, the saison style, is uh, it's really different. I mean, you're you're I think maybe more of a fan of saisons than I am, but I, I am. I, but uh, I do enjoy the funk. I find this interesting. I had to look again at the uh, the label on here, which is handwritten Lily Belgian saison, because uh, I get I get a little of the Belgian funkiness on the nose, but then also there's a floral thing and a citrus yes. thing happening on top of both of those. Like yes, it's like. A layer of those things, and you on get top. that floral up front, which makes it very different from most saisons that that I've tried. Right, because most of them have more just it's kind of straight to that yeasty funkiness, you know. And yeah. a lot of Belgians are very fruity, but this one's fruity in a more citrusy kind of mm -hmm. way. So there's it's interesting because I get a little bit of um, like uh, lime zest mm -hmm. and a little bit of grapefruit thing happening, and then there's underlying right before you take that that right before you swallow right at the back of the palate. There's just that little hint of that saison funk that mm -hmm. that I actually really love, but it's almost not there. It's just enough to say, okay, I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm sorry. Am I getting a little? Yeah. <laughs> am I getting a little mango in there too? Yeah, I I get a little bit yeah. of that. Mm. It's interesting. It's really interesting on the nose too. It is. I think a more. When I say more drinkable, I mean, like, uh, normally with this style of beer, I have a tendency to sip slowly, enjoy the funk. This I can kind of power down a little more. It's yeah. it's a little more sessionable, it seems like. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's and this was crushable. done, this was which brewery again? This is Great Heights? This is Great Heights, yeah. Great Heights. So so you guys obviously are are, are involved on, on two levels there for you, right? Yeah. Um, I actually got um, to be... Uh, I had a hand in brewing the beer as well. So a part of the collaboration brew days, uh, a lot of the breweries will open it up to the Pink Boots members and invite them into their brew house. And so they actually get a VIP like backstage pass of um, being in in the brew house. Being there when they're doing the work, right? There, yep, and seeing it as it goes. And for this beer, um, this is the beer that I've had my hands on the most. I uh, was there for the graining in and milling out and uh, measuring the salts out and uh, weighing the hop, weighing the hops and then putting them into the whirlpool, um, and then about ten days later we dry hopped it. So that's why you're getting a lot of stuff, a lot mm -hmm. of characteristics off the nose. And I love how the hop blend does kind of just like cut a little bit on those Belgian notes, so they are a little more balanced. And I think that that just makes it a little bit more crushable. I love uh, the saison because you can attract like the most beer nerds. And, and but <laughs> right. you can also like really pitch it to people who are not really so much into beer and they're trying to find their place in beer mm -hmm. um, because I also think that it has a little bit of a nice dry finish and a little bit of a white wine finish a little yeah, bit I was, was going to say almost mm -hmm. a champagne kind yeah. of that, that white it. wine grapiness yeah. to it yes for a nice sure effervescent and effervescent. a little sweet up front too mm -hmm. yeah. and so it's been doing really well in our tap room for us just to uh, capture people who are coming in there and they're like oh I'm not really into beer 
Um, and so we'll try them on on the Belgian saison, and it tends to go over pretty well. Yeah, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of flavor, but it's not nothing about it is overwhelming. It all blends together very nicely, and becomes very very sessionable. Well, I and, like and it. Traditional saisons can can range from incredibly fruity to uh, a bit of saddle blanket. I so yes, many interpretations. Yes, saddle blanket is a good <laughs> yes. way to say it. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's not a joke. That's yeah. a real thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And as we often say when we're trying those, we do love the funk. Yeah, I love the funk. Got to have the funk. <laughs> um, all right, so let's try what we're tasting next. And while we do that, I want you to tell me a little bit about um, – You've explained that what Pink Boots is about in terms of what it supports. What do you do specifically to drive – is it driving awareness? Is it driving opportunity for women in craft brewing? What, what, are, what are the exact things that you support and do that advance that cause? Um, so our main focus is education. And through the Pink Boots Society, as a member, you are able to apply for uh, quarterly scholarships. Um, and a, a couple of other member benefits would be um, online community. So you do you are able to reach out to people who are working in the exact same field as you um, or or even bigger if you have questions that are beyond you. Uh, local and regional chapters. So there's several uh, within Pink Boots. There are 75 plus chapters um, so that you can easily connect with uh, women and um, individuals. Who um, who are like they are in your area and um, develop personal relationships with them and are based and shared around interests and challenges. Uh, we have a national conference every other year, uh, mm. so that's really fun where everybody comes together, um, and that is a very educational weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. There's seminars. There's usually the one that I attended. There was two tracks: a front of the house track and a back of the house track. Um, so that's that's really fun. And then uh, collaboration brew days, like we've been uh, mentioning, are another way. That's actually how we raise money for our chapters and for Pink Boots Scholarships. You mentioned awesome. scholarships. Is this is this something for like uh, is this a, not only a support system for uh, in be if you're already in the industry, but for people who are thinking about getting in the industry and don't know how to get their foot in the door, yeah. don't know where to even start, kind of thing. That is actually a really great thing that you bring up uh, because we added just about a year or two ago we added aspiring membership so if you're somebody who's looking to get into the fermentable business but you're not really sure where to start um, and you're not actually working for a company quite yet you can uh, choose that membership and you're more than welcome to um, have uh, you have benefits of being a regular member as well mm -hmm. well I don't know about you but I'm ready for some more beer uh, what's next I'm for it um, should we try the banger? Sure, let's yeah, try the right. banger. Let's bring yeah. bang, bang away. <laughs> you know, normally we. Now, I think you guys put it back in your cooler, didn't you? <laughs> okay, so oh, somebody have to jump I down and right jump down and grab it. While we're doing that, I, I feel like it's interesting because if you look at the world of of uh, cuisine, uh, the chef world, yeah. uh, there have been throughout history and and certainly more and more today. Plenty of amazing female chefs. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I loved the whole series, uh, the whole Julia series on uh, what was was on HBO or, or whichever. I believe it was on HBO. It was about Julia Child, uh -huh. like, and showing what, like, how she, like, made such a mark on people's education about great food and 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 what by coming into people's homes and just being. 
you know, here she was, she was this woman and she had this accent and she was just so charming. And somehow that that worked better for people to watch and pay she attention. She was relatable. And she was relatable yeah. and she she just plus she was really, really great. She made kitchen. it show how easy it is right. to cook from right. home was just basic. And I can ingredients. see I can see a uh, a place like that for someone to emerge. As the Julia Child of craft beer, like mm -hmm. you know, for somebody to step up and be the the sort of person who puts it all on the map in terms of women's accomplishments and achievements in the in the craft beer world. So um, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing to me because I think women are inherently. I'll probably get some pushback on this, but I think women are inherently more creative than men are. I think they just have, I think so there's, true. there's just some gene in there somewhere, you know, men might be better at other things, but when it comes to creativity, I think women are, are just, I don't know, they're just, they're just wired that way. And so I would think that more women in the brewmaster positions at craft breweries would mean more creativity in terms of what's happening. Absolutely. Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree there or is, is there something to that? I agree 100%. Yeah. And I'm happy not to be the creative one. I'm happy to be the one who gets to drink it. So th that's just that's just kind of the side Standing that I Standing on this down side on. of the bar. Absolutely. I'll stand there and be supportive. And when I say be supportive, I'll order that beer that you that you made and and talk about it. This is the uh this is the new uh it's relatively new, right? This Yeah, this, this Banger IPA came out in January. Okay. It is going to be a year-round beer for us. Mm. Uh, we're starting to debut 19.2-ounce uh, cans at Ooh. your local convenience stores was, and grocery stores. I was about to get all excited. I thought you were going to say you're about to debut a 19.2 ABV banger. Oh, no. uh, I'm in. No. <laughs> uh, wow. I I'll, was, put it, uh, I'll put it next to my 120-minute. But grab grab one 19.2, and you're you're good to go. So, you're good for the whole, yeah, absolutely. For the whole day. What, what I think is great about this beer is that for as big as it is, it's extremely drinkable. Like a lot of times when you get a big IPA, mm -hmm. and I've had plenty of those because I love IPAs, sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, this I'm going to have to go slow on this one, you know, because it's so big. This one, I think you can just keep drinking. It's interesting. There's, there's almost a sugary sweetness that mm -hmm. happens after you swallow. It's really, really... I think out of character for anything you would call an IPA, because yes. usually you get more bitter. Right. It's really interesting. It has that what you like to call the Doritos effect that makes you just uh -huh. want to take another sip. And I would I would go even further. I think it's hops on repeat is it, our slogan. Right. It keeps repeat. you coming I, back for more. I so, like it. Yes. Yeah. You know what it reminds oh, I me of? Though. The Saint Arnold. The Saint Arnold logo is. <laughs> Uh, if you're not from around here, the St. Arnold logo is very, very distinctive. Yes. Um, and there's a little The patron record. saint of brewers. There's a little record player right there. That's great. Because it's a banger, right? D DJ St. Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing it. DJ and it nights like, around town with it. Just judging from the size of the record player and the size of everything, it looks like a 78. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what? On the Maybe finish on this, it's been years since I had one of these. Decades since I had one of these. But do you remember eating when you would eat like they come in a little package those powdered donuts with the white powder on them yep there's a thing there's a a, a taste that 
once you've actually chewed and swallowed the powdered donut. Which would take a, a while because those things are dry. <laughs> exactly. But there's there's a there's a taste that it would leave in your mouth, this sort of white powder sweetness. Yeah. That's how I would describe the finish on this. It's kind of a That's, it's in like a very a, good way. By yeah, the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even though even though those are maybe perhaps not the best of snacks, that that we're just, we're aftertaste is, is a good yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 It, it is I a good a whole thing. Bag yeah. of those down. Yeah. I get a lot I'm of yeah, tropical fruit, melon, citrus. I mean, mm. we're we're dry hopping with Strata and Simcoe hops. So yeah. I love so, Strata. This yeah. is this is wonderful stuff. And and again, it was after the IPA craze had kind of come and gone that you guys released this killer uh, double IPA. Is, is it considered a double? Is it considered a, an imperial? Out? We so, say imperial. Pure? Yeah. Imperial hazy. I love it. But yeah, I mean, you can't deny the fact that uh, as you know, what people, beer drinkers are drinking, IPAs are still just Killing the top it. style yeah. in Absolutely. Texas. And hazies Absolutely. make up like a huge portion of that. How yeah. did you guys get to know each other? Um, through Pink, Pink Boots. Boots. Okay. Um, so you're both members of Pink yeah. Boots Society. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And both reps. And how much, um, how how broad across the United States is Pink Boots? How, oh, how is it's it international. everywhere? international. Yes. So it's international. Yeah. Really? We have chapters in Australia, uh, overseas, uh, Europe. Um, but, and, uh, yep. So we had, uh, you mentioned Australia. We had an article last week that I was so excited to get into because it was the 100 hottest beers of 2023. Sure. And I had just glanced at it. I'm like, I don't recognize like any of these. This will be great to talk about. So I bring it on and discovered that it was the top 100 craft beers in Australia in 2023, which explained why I hadn't heard of uh, uh, of any of them. But uh, spoiler alert: Foster's wasn't on it. Yeah. <laughs> Australian for beer. Uh, I don't think that's a spoiler at all. The oil can. <laughs> that's right. Australian? They don't drink Foster's over there. No, they I, don't. I've been over there and like, yeah, I really didn't see it over there. It was weird. Yeah, it's 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 one of those you know they've managed Perception to convince Americans reality. that it's Australia's favorite beer, but it's not. It's not at all. Um, uh, so let's do another one. Uh, what, yeah. What's next? Uh, let's try another Pink Boots beer from uh, Walking Stick. Walking awesome. Stick. Walking yeah. Stick is right across the street from you yeah, guys. They're yeah, they're our neighbors. Yeah, so yeah, that's a nice little area. What, what's what's the name of the street? That Wakefield. Wakefield. Yeah. So Wakefield. Yeah. Uh, right by the old uh, petrol station where it used to be. You guys are like right down the road from there, and um, it's interesting because there's a few. There's Walking Stick and. Um, us, there's and, William yeah, Price, there's still, yeah, there's and Decant Winery. So it's a street that here in Houston, or I think it's the only street here in Houston, you can find two breweries, two distilleries, and a winery. And you got your good old crowbar smacked right down, <laughs> darn in the middle. Love it. <laughs> Love awesome. it. Well, uh, you know, what's interesting about uh, Houston, it is a great place to live if you're into craft beer. You know, I, I'm I'm very fond of Austin, but Austin all too often is just automatically crowned the king of what's cool uh, when it comes to the state of Texas. Yeah, it's, it's getting less so uh, day after day now. I, I think that's probably true. But when the whole craft beer thing started to explode, everybody thought, well, Austin's going to be where it really is happening for Texas. And I'll tell you. I think Houston now has I think we're keeping more, up. more craft breweries, obviously, because because it's a bigger city. But I also think even just if you look at it 
with excitement about paper what towel. Uh, paper towel. I, I, I'm going to have to run and uh, grab don't, one. Don't worry I don't about keep here, talking. So. I'll worry. I, I'm just getting um, this on my pants. So uh, I totally understand. And, you know, that's that's OK, because uh, I did it when I was Sorry. pouring the other one. So uh, but what I was saying about Houston is, is that we have we seem to have really jumped in with both feet and have so many very creative breweries. And all uh, what I love about the, the breweries here is all of them kind of are finding their niche like what their sort of specialty is you know you have you have saint arnold which is like the uh, what was the award the saint arnold won uh, uh best midsize uh brewery yeah in 2017 uh, in 2017 at like the gabf that's 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 like here. a big deal and uh and saint arnold is uh, to me it's like the the og of craft breweries in uh We're in, the oldest in the whole in the whole state Texas but in, craft yeah turn 30 next year it's just like so you're you're basically the dr dre of beer is, is the way i look at it right yeah i mean it's just you know still super relevant still uh still totally in the mix of it and everybody looking up to you and saying wow that's how to do it all right so we're going to taste this uh, uh this is a goza right is that what yeah. this is so, guava uh guava with goza, a goza guava goza guava yeah we'll taste it when we come a back goza with guava. Um, the music tells me we got to take a break it's smoking and toasting we will be right back Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, our program all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're on show number 319, talking about uh, drinking trends for 2023. And, of course, talking about Pink Boots and uh, and the organization that is promoting and supporting women in the craft brewing industry, which we are all about. We are all about drinking trends for 2023. I want to run a few of these past you here. It's from an article in uh, liquor.com, which is one of the best uh, liquor and alcohol websites a fun online. Website if you've it's never very good and great, uh, great recipes if you're looking for cocktail recipes. So they talk about the, the big trends for 2023. They list five. Uh, number five is tapping into the complexity of zero proof spirits. So they're saying that the alcohol-free spirit world is becoming more diverse, more complex. There's more to enjoy there. It's not just here's a alcohol-free beer or an alcohol-free uh, whiskey or whatever. My so. wife went out for a brunch with uh, some of her friends last weekend and actually had one of those zero alcohol. Mm -hmm. She had an espresso martini. Yeah. Said it was pretty good. So the next trend is also related to that. It's non-alcoholic bottle shops and sober bars. Which, now... I understand the concept of offering alcohol-free drinks and and beverages at a regular bar, but but would you want to go to a sober bar like like that doesn't sell any alcohol? I, I, don't they usually call that a coffee shop? I, that's that's what I thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not making fun of like totally making I mean, that is funny, but I mean I'm not totally making fun of. I'm like yeah, I think that's that's what. That's what people who don't drink, but maybe this is just so that you don't have to just drink coffee. Yeah, you know? right. And and you can drink some of these non-alcoholic spirits if you're wanting the the taste and the flavor profiles of the non-alcoholic spirits. I don't know. I, I wonder if this. I realize that people are more interested in this than they used to be, but I wonder if this as a trend isn't being overstated a little bit because. Mm -hmm. People are, are looking for things to write about. What do you guys think about that? Do you that? ever get people coming into the brewery asking for a non-alcoholic yes. beer? Yes. It does yeah, happen. We've really. actually had Is to bring on. often? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've brought on uh, athletics. Right, uh, right. And uh, also 
uh, Unentitled Art, Untitled Art uh, mm-hmm. has also has one, and so like we've brought them in for that option. I mean, definitely during January, we we can't, we actually really can't even keep it on our shelves, to be honest wow, with you. Okay, yeah. So I, I was amazed. Uh, me and my wife were in specs. This was months ago. We saw that they had a, a Guinness Zero, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we bought a four pack of Guinness Zero and a four pack of the standard Guinness draft cans. You know, and did you AB them? And AB them, and I was like a little blown away at how there was very little difference. Like, if you just put it down in front of me, I probably wouldn't be able to tell. Well, the next time we do, uh, and we're going to do it this year for sure, another light beer blind taste test here on the program, we're going to insert some non-alcoholic beers nice. into the blind test and see if we can figure out which we ones We can do are. a whole like non-alcoholic blind taste test as long as we're doing shots in between. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the third uh, trend is uh, what Liquor.com calls the Drink Masters influence. Have you guys, any of you watched Drink Masters on Netflix? No, I have not watch that but apparently uh if that shows any indication they say these very sensory experience cocktails with foam mm. and and uh things like that are back uh, uh they also have brought back the word mixologist which the author That's the good. floating around good. for a while yeah, yeah. which the author uh, doesn't doesn't think much of but uh but anyway but that's the thing these sensory experience cocktails is uh, is becoming a thing again uh and the next trend bringing on the american single malts we know that's becoming a trend we're yeah. seeing more and more of that and then number one they say are micheladas the new bloody marys yes and to which i answer please god no <laughs> if there is any divine being them. please Tell me that it's not. She Are you a, a fan of Michelada? I love them. I will go all over Houston finding my favorite Michelada. Okay. I mean, you can get it's one in a can yeah. made by uh, what Bud Light or whatever it is. Yeah. Clamato. A house mix. That's terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can do different beers with them. Like try a Goza yes. Michelada. I just can't do Clamato. It sounds like something you try to avoid. You you I mean, to. I can't. Like I can't. Have to. Like I can't social, dump a beer like upside a down into a margarita either. So yeah, I don't no. know. Uh, anyway, that's just me. By the way, this. I'm sorry we haven't talked about this. Goes we're talking about good. This yeah. is really delicious. Yeah. This is the pink boots. Uh, 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 goza from Walking Stick, and mm-hmm. it is a uh, Goza's is a uh, German style beer made with coriander and sea salt, and they fruited theirs with uh, guava. It's Juicy, but you get all of those notes that you want from a goza. A little bit of salt, it's a little like a bit of cori- a little punch. bit of spice. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a party she punch. Add some rum to it. I feel like oh, that yeah. could work. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fruit punch. We happen Salty to have sweet. some, oh. and we will be uh, we had sampling a it. We'd be on it. <laughs> we will be sampling it in the uh, in the very next segment, the smoking and toast, and we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting, our program all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Show number 319 with Jill Root from St. Arnold and Abby Heim with Pink Boots and also with Great Heights. And now, Abby, I have to confess that my wife has known your parents forever. Yeah. So uh, I feel like even though you and I have known each other that long, we still have some, some history here. Yeah. Uh, but I was thrilled to find out how involved that you have gotten into the craft brewing scene. And I'm curious as to what it was that made you, what what was this an interest for you? What made you go, that's what I'm going to do. I'm interested in that. Okay. Uh, A little bit of background is um, I started at uh, Good Dog Houston and Molly and Danny gave me the opportunity to be the beer buyer. 
Um, I had already had a big affinity for uh, craft beer that I got through, uh, definitely through sitting on the front porch, the famous front porch with my dad. <laughs> and we Because your dad's a cigar guy, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a craft beer guy and a whiskey guy. A scotch guy. And um, and so uh, it started out just really starting out on the front porch and doing side-by-sides of different beers that we would like. And then I took that knowledge at, uh, with Good Dog and worked for them for five years at their West Alabama location. And um, that's where I created, um, had a relationship, started forming relationships with all of the breweries around town mm-hmm. and uh, launched me into Pink Boots and where I made more connections. And when the time was right, uh, Great Heights uh, had a position that was open and I thought the timing was right and I was ready to be full into craft beer. And so I took the I took the opportunity to work for those guys. And it's been great ever since after that. Now, this is the first time we've actually had on the show in 319 episodes, the first time that we've had representatives from two different local breweries in in the studio at the same time uh so talk to me a little bit about that is there is there a a sisterhood so to speak of uh, of of breweries in the greater houston area and if so how how's that come about see i, I grew up in radio and we always hated our competition <laughs> until the same company bought us all and forced us to all get along uh but but you know there was always massive competition you were pulling tricks on each other and stuff and it, that doesn't seem to exist in the world of craft brewing at least not that i've that i've seen really no i mean we're all i mean we're all definitely technically competitors but one of at my the favorite things about the craft end of the day there's so much industry. camaraderie and like a lot of those girls are my good friends and we look out for each other support each other we listen to each other uh, we're mentors to each other. Um, yeah, that's uh, definitely. But even beyond that, like conversations I've had where I've been in the same room with two people that work at different breweries. Hey, uh, yeah, we're having trouble finding these cans. Oh, hey, we can order some cans. You want to just split the order? Like those kind of things yeah. are so common. Right. You know, uh, with with these breweries, it's absolutely yeah. wonderful. And I know there's a secret brewery like meeting once a month. Oh yeah. You got to stay Where everyone gets that. together at one brewery <laughs> and hangs out. I would love I to go to, to one I of those. Are you kidding me? Yes, yes, we be definitely need be to. our special guest. Yes, yes, <laughs> we would we we'll be quiet. We'll just drink and say nothing. I just went into that Disney moment in my beer. Yeah, yeah, I went there too. <laughs> so that's so wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> Let me tell you what I think is going to be right on a number of levels, and that is today's uh, spirit, which is the Dos Madeiras Solera Selección Triple Aged Rum. It is a uh, a new release or a relatively new release from Dos Madeiras, and we loved the last one, Dos, so I had a good feeling about this. Dos Madeiras Selection is a blend from a carefully selected number of our finest cask, Dos Madeiras yeah. 5 plus 5 PX, and our 10-year-old blend of the finest Barbados and Guana uh, rums, which have been matured in old bourbon casks. This has sweet. This is everything I like about rum right here. It is sweet and round and Mm -hmm. delicious. And it's got so much of the vanilla and the maple and the, even the caramel uh, to it, which I think is just absolutely wonderful. What do you guys think? Are you are you uh, big oh, rum? Are you big I rum fans? I love Godlelo and Loose Cannon. Mm-hmm. Have such an amazing rum selection, and yeah, I just I I, I recently went to the Bahamas and went to a oh. Watlings Distillery. Oh, cool! And nice. brought back a bottle. I love yeah. everything I had there. Yes, rum is 
very much a presence in my liquor cabinet. One so. of the things that's great about rum is that you can get really great quality rums that are not that expensive. Now, there mm -hmm. are some expensive rums, but but you can get some really amazing ones that are in the under $30 range. And it's 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 an amazing thing to be able to do. Ian, are you taking a picture of the rum? I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm so going to post it on this Houston Rum Society uh, thing that I have here. You must uh, You must really like it. Because I don't know. Yeah, I don't do. <laughs> sorry, sorry for the pregnant <laughs> so, pause there. <laughs> lost you for a moment there. Uh, no, it, 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 I just think this is this is what it's all about when it comes to rum. This is one of the better ones I think we've had in a long time. Sometimes when we go with the single cask rums, what you get is a rum that that behaves on the palate more like a whiskey. It's kind of like yeah. a sweeter version of a whiskey. Uh, and I'm not saying those aren't good, but they're not my favorite. My favorite is when it's got all these intricate uh, flavors kind of uh, kind of swirling around on the palate. To me, that's what rum is supposed to be this about. This one's so interesting. Like, the, the lingering cinnamoniness mm -hmm. that I get is so Which nice. is a word, by the way. You yes. can look it up. Cinnamoniness. Hey, man. It's in, it's in the if Shakespeare can make up words, I can too. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, I think this is absolutely wonderful. And it'll be interesting to see. because how oily it is, too. It just, like, completely coats the mouth as soon as you take a sip. We're yeah. moving now towards the darker beers, towards the barley wines, towards what I side. see is a uh, barrel-aged barley wine. That's a barrel-aged barley wine. And then that is, oh, the French press. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this interacts, because I suspect this will interact Beautifully, yeah. rum is a, a very friendly spirit about uh, about interacting with other. We beers actually and stuff. did uh, last year. We did a Jamaican Legend mm -hmm. where we took our bourbon legend and aged it in uh, rum barrels. In rum barrels, we yeah. did that with Pumpkinator. We aged the oh, Pumpkinator. Oh, yeah. in I, love pumpkinator. I love Pumpkinator. I love Pumpkinator. So where should we start? French press. Sure. Do you have a bottle opener I over there, not. my friend? Uh, I, have I have one, one on my keychain. I have one in my bag, but uh, <laughs> if you have one on your keychain that's closer, yeah. we'll use that. So, um, And I also appreciate, I'll say this and Ian Perfect. will immediately, you know, countermand me, but I appreciate that you guys still do some beers in bottles because I love bottled beer. The it's bottles, just colder. Yeah, just, just colder. There are those traditionalists that love the bottle. Yeah. Come on, can. You're just going to pour you it know. into a glass anyway. Yeah, I, I know. Still, the, the bottle Especially the colder. darker ones. Drinking those yeah. on a cool winter day where we briefly have those. Um, yeah, oh, the bottle's great. So this this French press, we've had this on the show before, but this is, this is of all beers that I've tried that are that are coffee or espresso this is the most coffee espresso of anyone that I've ever tried it's just a real uh, a real authentic uh coffee taste it's it's quite quite the interesting thing yeah and they use different origins from java pura and the different uh and barrel aged ones um every year they do like a tasting selection mm. um so, so yeah. that's interesting and the base beer, yeah, French Press, we just won a Texas Craft Brewers Guild medal, gold. No kidding. I did yeah. not realize that. That's Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. That's, that's great. Nice. This beer has only been out a couple of years, right? Um. Yeah. Last definitely year, I think, a few. It? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's we've had several uh, years of it. I remember it was, you yeah. know, when I was like. Dogs, it was 2020, I think. And is this a oh, year? Is this a year round? It's a it's a limited release that okay. comes out around like November time. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yep. Mm -hmm. So our There's bourbon barrel French versions. press is an imperial coffee porter. After aging in bourbon barrels for almost a year, we added coffee from our local friends at Java Pura, Pura, 
uh, along with Madagascar vanilla for an extra layer of sweet and inviting flavor that's rich and roasted. That's what deer. I love about it. It's the vanilla. It's perfect for camping trip, uh, for a camping trip in the great outdoors or a weekend brunch in the comfort of your own home. So, Ian, take a sip of the French press and then go back to the rum. Oh, wait, wait. I'm still at the French press. Mm. I'm going to do the same. And back to rum. Mm. I'm going to be curious about what that's you so were, about how that impacts the rum. Oh. It makes it taste like maple syrup. It yeah. does. Absolutely. It's like time for pancakes, maple yeah. syrup. Which is funny because we also did a bourbon legend in a maple bar in a maple barrel as well. <laughs> and we called it yeah. Uh, did we call it Canadian Legend? Maybe when not. when you guys do these special <laughs> things like like Bourbon Legend, like uh, how much of it do you make in comparison to like are they smaller batches because you anticipate them being more limited and, and maybe even the interest in them not being as broad, but the people who do love it are going to be crazy oh, yeah. about it. Um, yeah, we do definitely do a, a smaller limited run of our bourbon legend. It, and it also takes like a year in the barrel. So um, a year in the barrels. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a long time yeah. for, for beer. You, so know? you guys are yeah. one of the uh, few breweries that have a uh, barley wine as well. Yes. And uh, I know because last time when we went and hung out there, uh, six months ago or so, I think that's mm -hmm. all I drank. Yeah, I believe I was it like, was. I'm starting with the barley wine. The bartender was like, oh. Starting off light, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going lighter after this. Go give me another barley wine." Fourteen point two. Wow, wow. Well, I got to tell you, the the French press is as good as ever. And if you ever think about drinking, drinking it alongside a rum, this is a wonderful pairing. I am such a fan of St. Arnold's. All your, uh, all your uh, seasonals are, are just absolute favorites of mine i'm always waiting for the next season also so well, summer Bog. pills is out yeah. summer pills summer is pills great is right. uh, and then i can't yeah. wait for Oktoberfest. i, I actually i actually prefer the Christmas summer pills sale. to the h-town pills i like summer pills better summer pills is one of my favorite uh pilsners mm -hmm. out there yeah absolutely it's a hot now, debate now i will i will ask you this state on a question though what what will take the place of divine reserve because Divine Reserve was a thing for so long. And I understand it was time to change up. Like, I get that. And so you don't do the Divine Reserve anymore. But is there something coming that will kind of be the new thing where Divine Reserve used to be? I get that a lot. People ask about that one and, and Bishop's Barrel. And uh -huh. um, I just like to say that, I mean, we, have, we haven't stopped our barrel aging program. And we've got a lot of special stuff going on there. It's just lately... The problem with putting a number on it was that, you know, the general consumer might have tried one, didn't like number five, not realizing that every iteration gonna be different. was sure, a different sure. beer. Um, but there was a time, and it was the first time I experienced this in the world of beer, where a Divine Reserve release meant lines around my favorite specs mm -hmm. at 10 in the morning the day that Divine Reserve was released. I was, was one released. of those people. <laughs> so, Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a big deal, you know, yeah. to be sure you got your hands on that. So uh, there's, I'm just, in my mind, I know Brock must be coming up with something that will be the next thing, you know? I think, yeah, if we have a recipe, something we're super excited about and want to want to do that. I I tell people all the time, it's not it's not dead totally, completely. Right, right. We could always we got in our back pocket, but um, uh, you know what you could do is just do another divine research. Like because it's gone away, people would be so excited about the next 
divine as reserve. An that and make it a barley wine because I like barley wine. You'd get you get a line again, like you know what I mean. It'd, it'd be mm-hmm. it'd be a thing because it now it's become something you don't get yeah. regularly. Absence makes the heart heart go fonder. That's right. That's right. There are still some bars around town though that have like lingering bishops barrels just hanging mm-hmm. out, like Cottonwood. Like they've got uh they've got that. Well, on they their won't menu. after tonight. So, <laughs> so uh, if you know. Uh, Joel from uh, Eureka Heights, he came on the show with a bunch of old bottles that he had, even back to a, a DR number one. Ooh, wow. How'd it taste? Surprisingly held up. Yeah. There were a few that not so much, but that yeah. one actually surprisingly held up. Um, where are we going next? Are we going Bourbon Legend or are we going yeah. with the one? Okay. You want to go Barley Ian, let's, let's go Bourbon Legend. I, oh, Ian is such a fan wine. of Barley Wines. And, uh, you know. You don't understand. I will drink this floating down the river. I don't care. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. Like, <laughs> He's fine. such a fan of Barley Wines, but, you know, it's, it's not. We can't do. There's not a barley wines out there to do one every week, so we we should have a show a that's a barley occasion. wine blind taste test. I, I'm I'm down, but you'll, you'll start have, off you'll start you'll off to supply the not barley being wines. able to see it, and you'll end up not being able to see it all. Well, uh, we're particularly proud of this one. This one uh, in 2019 won us a bronze at the GABF in Denver. Mm. Our G-A-B-F. first year to submit it. For any, yeah, for anybody that doesn't know, GABF, <laughs> that's like the kidney, Oscars for beer. It says yes. kidney I owe you on there. I love the artwork, by the way. Do you have a story uh, behind oh, that? Uh, yeah, so well, the artwork is uh, our co-founder, uh, Sean's wife, Nicole. Mm-hmm. She does all of our canned art. Um, when you come into Great Heights, you'll find murals on the walls, and um, she's fantastic. Wow, that's that's so cool. But yeah, GABF, the Great American Beer Festival, this truly is the Oscars for craft beer. In fact, it's so much like the Oscars for craft beer that the big moment uh, last year at the GABF was when the uh, head brewer from uh, uh, from Stone uh, Brewery in California walked up on stage and slapped Jim Cook from Boston Beer. <laughs> it was it was a thing like reverberated through the uh, through the uh, whole beer community. Uh, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, serious, like, that of sounds like something else. Yeah, it sounds like a drinking news story, doesn't it? Besides, um, that guy looks so friendly. Like, Jim Cook? Yeah, how oh, could yeah. you just walk Ooh, up and slap him? Nobody would slap him. Not even the stone guy. He's not a yeah. golden-throated pitch guy. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but he's always fun. He's always fun. All right, so this barley wine, this is from Great Heights, and this is called... Uh, so bourbon good. Legend. Bourbon 14.2%. Legend. 14.2. So we're we're getting into your wheelhouse here, Ian. Yes, I love this. Is it I haven't even tried it yet. So you guys should know that uh, when Ian first started bringing barley wines on the show, uh, he brought one that had, like, chewy chunks in it and that was that was where that was where i had to draw the line there's, there's nothing just bring a toothpick man <laughs> drink your barley wine bring a toothpick what's a, what mm. <laughs> this however is really i'm that was in, in my your... defense that was a beer i think was recommended from uh the dnq mart Okay. Oh, I love that. Place. I do too. It must that have guy, been recommended by the DNQ. That guy would always hold me bottles. Must have been recommended. So awesome. Must have been recommended by him back in 1968 when they first opened. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. That was just an old beer. That was just an old beer. By the way, this is delicious. Have you had this yet? Yes. Well, this is uh, this is the one that you had on tap, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the one that remember when we hung out. I kept drinking this one. Oh, man, that's right. Yeah, I think you can cons- still find cans in the tap room right now for sale. I think they were concerned for me after I went up there for my third or fourth one. So this, <laughs> so this is a limited release then. Yes. Uh, and all, barley wines are almost always going to be limited, aren't yeah. they? Because it's just not something I see you producing year round. But kudos to you for doing this because it is really a a a style that is not as 
common. And when you find people that love it, they absolutely, I absolutely love this. Love it. Yeah. It's delicious. And if you drop this between two pieces of wood and they stay mm -hmm. there for a short period of time, you will never get those two pieces of wood apart. <laughs> it is. I absolutely love barley wine. I, I say that as a joke, but it's kind of true. I, I absolutely love barley wine. Though. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to actually take a break here and uh, come back in a few minutes because we got to leave room for our segment with drinking news and we still have. A number of beers to cover. Including but I, another barley wine. But before we do that, I just want to ask you, Ian, if you've got any of the rum left, go back to it now yeah, after the barley wine. Because this this is something you should experience. Oh, now it's oh, now yeah. it's very uh, minerally. Yes, and minerally and cinnamon. Yep. And cinnamon. Wow. All right. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Oh, wait. The cinnamon happens like yes. right after you swallow. Wow. Yes. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. I just love that guitar. I love I barley love wine. Yes, I and do. And you love barley wine. I love barley wine. How about you? I do love barley wine. Uh, even though you're the barley wine guy. I'm on apparently a barley wine cheerleader now. You you are. <laughs> and, and, and you do it very well. Although I can do without seeing you in the cheerleader outfit. That we can leave out and you can just cheerlead from where you are. You take all the fun out of everything. I love how you cheerlead with the ukulele. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian has the ukulele ready to go because it is time for the single most popular segment on this program. It's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I, I need to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. All right. Well, today's, well done. today's, yes, very well done. Today's drinking news story does not actually involve drinking. But if you are listening, I certainly hope that you are drinking. <laughs> if, if not, I will give you a moment to pour yourself uh, something I got you, boss. before we continue. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yes. All right. Here at Drinking News, we brought you plenty of stories of Florida men and Florida women and their adventures with alligators. Somebody's <laughs> phone is playing a tune or something. I don't know who this is. It's not me. <laughs> oh, it, maybe it's something on the board. Chung, will you check that? Okay. All right, seems to have gone away. So we brought you plenty of stories of Florida men and Florida women and their adventures with alligators. Mm -hmm. In fact, the Drinking News theme song even tells the story features the of alligator. the Florida man with the missing arm who had a gator for a pet. And, of course, uh, he reportedly explained with the simple statement, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Right. So, but Florida, for all of its craziness, does not have a monopoly on gator stories. In fact, this week it was a woman from Texas, our home state, who made gator news when authorities seized her pet gator, which she'd been raising in her backyard. It's the story of a gator named Tua, which woman in Caldwell County in Central Texas says she got some 20 years ago when it was tiny. <laughs> and she claims she got it from the zoo. She's just... She's got a 20-year-old out. She's had it for 20 years. Yeah, she's had it for 20 years. Uh, now, I wasn't aware that zoos allowed people to take baby gators home. But either she's fudging the story a little bit 
or things are somewhat different in Caldwell County. Uh, <laughs> Texas Park and Wildlife officials did not release the woman's name, but they did seize the now eight-foot-long amphibian and reportedly returned it to the zoo. I, I just I, I imagine after like the first year, she's like, I think it's going to get big. Look at the size of them paws. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities said, and I love this, they're not sure whether the large reptile came when it was called, but <laughs> Texas warden Joanne Garza, Joanne Garza Mayberry told NPR that the gator was compliant with the woman as she had raised it since a hatchling. So I'm imagining this, this give and take between the it's woman and the gator. It's compliant with the It's woman. compliant, yeah. It was Garza Mayberry who first spotted the unlikely pet last month. Videos from the scene show the gator was living in a fenced-in area with an artificial pond, the type of water feature that you often find in a landscaped garden. Uh, Garza Mayberry said, I observed the alligator when I visited the house unannounced during an unrelated law enforcement hunting investigation. <laughs> so that tells you something Excuse me, ma'am. Is that a gator in your garden? <laughs> Are you just happy to see me? Uh, <laughs> Texas Game Wardens, the agency that handles law enforcement for the state's Parks and Wildlife Department, released videos showing the gator being carried to a truck. From there, it was taken to the animal world and Snake Farm Zoo in New Braunfels <laughs> near San Antonio. Now, let me pause and add some context here, all right? I grew up near San Antonio, and I have been to the Snake Farm in New Braunfels. <laughs> and let is. me tell you, it's an example of why we need more regulations of zoos here in the Lone Star State. It's really not a zoo at all. It's scary. It's disgusting. And while every kid in Texas wants to go and see it, once they've been there, they never want to return again. <laughs> They're mentally scarred. It is so infamous as a place to avoid that country legend Ray Wiley Hubbard actually wrote and recorded a song about it. That's what I was quoting, by the way. <laughs> and I will share the lyrics with you here. It goes, Snake Farm. It just sounds nasty. Snake Farm. Well, it pretty much is. Snake Farm, it's a reptile house. Snake Farm, ugh. <laughs> by the way, those are the real that song, lyrics. That song freaking rocks, by the way. I love that song. Not for nothing, but the loser in the story is actually the gator. I actually had a snake. The gator sounds like he had a pretty good setup. Yeah, he had a nice food. life in a woman's backyard, whether he came when she called him or not. I mean, with a fenced-in area and a water feature and some nice plants to lie in under the shade, lie I mean, under an in the shade. Foot gator, how substantial offense do you think you have to have <laughs> if an eight-foot gator decides it wants to get out? Like, so obviously this gator yeah. was fine. Now, too, is it? And snake he probably farm. had a contingency plan too. He's yeah. probably like, you know what? If she stops giving me food. I'll eat her. <laughs> so now, Portua is at Snake Farm. And if you're watching a video of the show, here's a picture of the place. And that pretty much says it all. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. So even though, as the Wildlife Agency points out, alligators naturally shy away from humans, and that problems arise when alligators are fed by people because the alligator loses its fear of humans and begins to associate people with food. And you can see where that leads to, right? Uh, so you can see the reason why they took the alligator away. But I personally, I cannot help but feel for Tua. 
Tua didn't ask for any of this, right? He apparently had a very nice existence, only to be whisked up and locked away at Snake Farm. I guess it goes to show you that even in this enlightened age in which we live, there are some problems for which there really is no good solution. Man, so I like to think of Tua got in there and the other reptiles are like, so what'd you do? And Tua's like, man. <laughs> what, are you, what are you in for? I don't know, man. I was just chilling one day. We need to go rescue him. Take him to the Ever, just, Everglades. I was chilling under Free the hibiscus Tua. bush. I was just hanging out, <laughs> waiting for my next meal. And these guys grabbed me, stuffed me in a van, and dropped me off here. Ambushed. <laughs> Reporting live from the <laughs> Copperhead Petting Pool at Snake Farm, oh. my name is Cruz, and that is your drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Everybody, drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. That's nice. <laughs> we really harmonized. Yeah, I like the uh, extra voices. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> Women yeah. voices and brewings. I'm a hoot at karaoke. I love when Ian goes, everybody. Everybody, everybody just joined in. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Uh, see, we should be syndicated this show. This show would have been a great uh, intro to uh, I feel like this is one of those moments that we're going to put on with our like best of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which will, which will follow shortly with the right. Ian said what show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're not going to have best of. We're going to have Ian said what? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We're off this weekend, so it'll be an Ian said what. By the way, one of the things that will happen, I'll just mention this when the syndication begins, is that the uh, available launch date of each show will move from Thursdays to Saturdays. So the show will now be available starting uh, Saturday afternoon. Yep, yeah, prime time. Once we uh, once we air. On the network. Now, Ian, um, I know I heard you open the uh, bottle of St. Arnold's Barley Wine. Is this where we're going next? Oh, I thought that was the order we were doing. Yeah, that's fine. Did I mess that up? No, no, it's perfect. We just did the barley wine from Great Heights, so now we go barley wine from St. Arnold's. Right, what barley wine's next? And and is this something, (laughs) how often do you guys do a barley wine? Not not frequently. Yeah, this it, one was a, bottled in 2020, so it's okay. Had a few hmm, you could tell that they don't do it very cellared. often. Otherwise, I'd be uh, I'd have a tent right outside their <laughs> parking lot. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a special occasion for Ian. I have a little, barley wine. I have a little summer tent by the freeway. Ian, <laughs> what was the first barley wine you ever tried? Uh, Horn Dog. Yeah, and what year was that that you would have um, tried that? Man, that would have been 2000. That's four ish. Okay, so uh, maybe two thousand. Oh, I like to think it was earlier than that, but I think that's about right. Two thousand, actually, probably around two thousand one or two thousand two. It was um, Flying Dog made one called Horn Dog. Mm-hmm. It was available all the time at a uh, at Flying um, Saucer at Specs. Right, Specs, yeah. And um, I picked it up one day because I was like, I don't know what a barley wine is, and I just absolutely loved it. And that was my introduction to it. So it would have been early two thousand. Would have been like two thousand one ish. Um, and I I would buy it by the case. <laughs> and then they stopped making it, and I cried right. for a long time. Yeah, it was a very sad time. I did because there's not a lot time. of barley wines to be had. Like, no, it's you're hard right. to find. No, you're absolutely right. That's why you were really excited over the Great Heights barley wine. And so now then I we... had to drown my sorrows in Meridzu. I understand. At you least know, you didn't... also a high ABV. At least you didn't drown them in uh, um, Malort. Mm. <laughs> Malort. You, you ladies may not Chicago. know this, but he has actually malorted me on the show twice. Twice, two times, yes. <laughs> yeah. I right. snuck one into a blind whiskey taste test. It was, it was not pretty. Oof. 
It was not pretty. Herbaceous. Herbaceous is a very PC way of putting it. All right. So this is very interesting on the nose. Now, when I when I tried the the Great Heights barley wine on the nose, it immediately said to me barley wine. It just had all of those notes that I would associate with barley. This has very high figgy kind of notes. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Fig and raisin. And, and of course, those are barley wine notes, but for some reason, it didn't quite. Well, there's the bourbony kind of vanilla thing going on that you don't get in a regular barley wine. It's a touch lighter on Ooh. the palate. Ooh, I'm getting lots of bourbon though on the uh, on the palate for the first sip. And this one's coming in at twelve point four. Lo- oh, lots of bourbon is higher. Mine's just a paltry. A paltry twelve point four. <laughs> lots, lots of bourbon, some cinnamon zest. You get that? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely some spices. I would like to say though, I, I'm going to make it I a thing like if it's cinnamon. not. Yeah. I was in uh, North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and I had a barley wine that was done with a sake yeast at Legion. A sake yeast. A sake yeast, and How I weird. was like, you have to please. But well, I was like, where did the sake come from? And she pulled out the uh, the notes about the beer, and she's like, yeah, it's the yeast that we use, and uh, it was so clean. It blew my mind. I was like, never mm. so curious creative i love that we are doing this show in the period of history that we're doing in the in the time that we're doing it because there is so much right there's so much to sample and taste and enjoy and it's what all of this is is about when we talk about this uh, on the show a lot it's like experience these things like like enjoy this is not about how drunk can we get although it has happened but this is about the experience of all this, experiencing the finer, you know, more interesting and complex things in life from a from a taste standpoint. And that's why this is so the, my brain was opened up to all of this for the first time um, when I was invited to a tequila tasting and they did a um, it was done by Jose Cuervo. And I'd had Cuervo and I'd had Cuervo You're like, he's silver. a friend of mine. Yeah, right. And so, <laughs> I, so I'm used to all of that and stuff. But when I showed up to this tasting, I got my first taste of Jose Cuervo Reserva de la Familia. That's And different. my world view changed. It was like, okay, wait a second. This is about experiencing and tasting these things. And, and I've been able to bring that same, you know, like mindset to craft beer, although there wasn't a lot of beer there to support it back then. Now there is, and I, it's wonderful. When I was doing HEB demos uh, pre-COVID, my favorite thing was to like paint a picture for somebody on like when and how and how when they're going to have this beer. Yeah. Or yeah. And 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 what it goes with mm-hmm. and what it, and like I would just what, it, what mood it creates. Peek into their carts and be like, oh, you know, this beer is going to go really great with that like pork shoulder you have in there. <laughs> I so, love that. So barley wines are an interesting thing because they're generally so high ABV. So you're either going to sip it all evening or right. you need to share it with somebody. And that again, and that's a really fun way to do it. It is. Then you get to try more than one. Right. You know, and, and the whole sharing thing, and this is what I love about, about bombers and about the big cans is that the whole sharing thing, it, it's a completely different part of the craft beer experience because you're not just enjoying this on your own. You know, I, I, I usually enjoy craft beer late at night when I'm doing the dishes, but that's not the super fun time. The super fun time is when Ian's over and we open something and try it together and talk about yeah. it. And that's, that's the, uh, that's the thing that makes this special to me. Uh, is this barley wine 
currently available? Can we buy it at the brewery? Uh, or is this is this a remnant from something older and we'll have to wait for the next batch? I will say that the bottle before us was acquired from a cellar tasting that um, okay. we did at the brewery and everyone got to take home one of these bottles but um i can't speak to like what is available right now at the beer garden we often have seller releases and specialty this, stuff available for purchase to go yeah yeah and and that stuff's always i mean it, it comes up every now and then and often we have like um I guess you call it a garage sale or something yeah. where it's like <laughs> you kind of empty out. Hey the guys, yeah. we'll, we'll put it on our newsletter, especially on like you know like Black Friday, like Thanksgiving mm -hmm. time. We'll have like these bottles are up for sale. Like you can order ahead of time and come pick it up from the beer garden. So let me ask you this question: Let's say you're <laughs> someone like Ian. You're a barley wine fanatic. Barley wines are not necessarily easy to find. How can he know immediately? When you guys have released a new one, whether he needs to come to the brewery or whatever he needs to do to find it to pick it up. Yeah, if I go to my um, my uh, freeway tent that I have right outside of your brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Just follow our, our, our San Arnold Army newsletter mm -hmm. or Instagram. I mean, we're usually posting about when we have those And how about the Great Heights? Sale. Also, thing? Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Right. So you Saint that's Arnold how you let people TikTok, know. TikTok, by the way. <laughs> oh, St. Arnold has a TikTok, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we it's do. Are Amanda, Amanda, uh, our senior brand ambassador, is just like killing it. Are there the any TikToks of, of Brock dancing? Ooh, are there? Because I would sign up right away. I should suggest that. Get on that, Amanda. <laughs> I know. We've done a, like a, 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 a What the, the Friday, What the yeah, Friday what kind the, of stuff. What the Friday and, is a great segment. Yeah, it's yeah. a great Brock, segment. Brock, by the way, for those who don't know, he's the founder and the uh, head brewmaster for St. Arnold. Well, and technically, Aaron Aaron Inkrot's now our head brewmaster. Mm. He gave that uh, title so to Aaron. We have had Aaron on the show before. Yeah. He's really? wonderful. Yeah, right. yep, he's, yep. A, he's, yeah. he's great. And uh, but but Brock has given that title up now, huh? Um, he he did like name Aaron the yeah. the head brewmaster. I okay. mean, Brock is still very much a president at our brewery. I mean, I see him in the office all the time. He's Brock very is hands on. Also, a big fan of barley wine. <laughs> yes, he is, as I recall. Yeah. And by the way, we understand how that works because one day I will give my title up to Ian on this show. So it'll happen. A predecessor. I mean, right. I'm sorry. What title do you have? I'm not sure what it is, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. I just know I get to come on here and drink great beers, and I love that. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap the show up. Our guests on this program, Jill Root and Abby Heim, uh, they're from different breweries, but they really like each other, and they're all uh, involved in uh, in Pink Boots, which is promoting the whole concept of women in craft beer. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. We'll be right back. It's uh, Smuggin' and Toastin'. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 319, and this has been a really fun one. Abby Heim from uh, Pink Boots and from Great Heights, and uh, Jill Root from St. Arnold and Pink Boots are both on the program. So we found out a lot uh, on the show today about Pink Boots and, and its promotion of women in craft brewing. And I made a prediction in the break, and I'm going to repeat it here, that the two of you will one day launch your own brewery together. I think you we will. Need, we need investors. I think yeah. you will. I think it'll happen. I, and when you do, we'll have you back on the show and I'll go, see, I predicted this. 
Yeah, it could happen. I'll name a beer after you. It, oh, per perfect. <laughs> we're we're, we're very excited. Um, I want to try this. Uh, uh, well, you now you're opening the. Uh, oh, did I open the wrong thing? Uh, well, I, <laughs> that's okay. I, I'll drink it. Actually, I love what you're opening. There's you're, no you're wrong opening things. The, no. That's right. There's no wrong things. No wrong so right pour that. But before we go, I wanted to try this this hoppy sparkling water that St. Arnold has released called Hop Spring because I haven't been able to yes. bring myself. To, to actually buy like a six mm -hmm. pack of it yet. And I, and I really wanted to be able to taste this because it sounds like such a unique idea. But every time I, I go to buy one, I look and, and not too far from it on the shelf is your, you know, juicy IPA. And I go for that instead. <laughs> uh, but but this is something that, you know, I think could be could be a thing. It's alcohol free, but it's hoppy and it's sparkling water. Yeah, it's, and it's, I do like sparkling water. So let's see what we got here. It like an IPA. Yeah, it's got like citrus and floral notes. Um, it's very I've refreshing. I've got right, just so, a few cups left. So right, I'll pour this too. Water. Yeah, so pour that too. Let's see where we go. I may have. Uh, I like this because it sounds like a beer when you open so it. So yeah, we've it had does. this on tap at the beer garden since we opened the beer garden in 2018. So this was always an option. I just don't know if people always made their way down the menu to see that we had hop water. Um, hop water's gotten pretty trendy. Well, now so, that that um, NA. So. Hop water is basically Very just hoppy. sparkling water, but it is, is it brewed? Is it correct to say it's brewed with hops? It's its dry hops with hops. Dry so hop. okay. citra and amarillo is what we're putting in this in this in this water so it's just share. it's gluten free it's sugar free mm -hmm. it's zero calories all right so i'm gonna I'm, go i'm out of cups here so right, this is <laughs> yeah and i apologize i could have brought more but this is our last segment there's we'll, a little more oh, you know what there's a little more in a can so somebody just have yeah so i'm gonna say this uh, as a, as a fan of sparkling water like i'm really digging this as a sparkling water if i if i don't think of it oh i'm 100 percent on board with this first taste that's it if this i don't good. if i don't think of it as compared to a beer right if i think of it beer. is just uh, uh, yeah. right yeah. if i think of it as just compared to a sparkling water absolutely love it because it's got more flavor yeah what a nice flavor mm -hmm. um i so i have one of those um what do you call the soda machine thing soda streams at the house right 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 and uh where you can make your own sort of yeah, carbonated water right 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 and so i have all the bubbly mixes and, and and i love that and i'll mix a few uh i i wish they would make one of these yeah imagine if you had like a hop honestly <laughs> this is like, really good now so or just now, stick a hop in the is this jar widely available yeah we're um it's definitely going into your hebs and your kroger's because i will specs, be buying this yeah. to this will replace the topo chico in my refrigerator. It does great with gin oh, as well. I know, You're dethroning I know. Do Topo Chico? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's Topo Chico es no, mo, no, mo, no mas topo? No mas topo. So I just pulled out all the Spanish no I know. Yeah. <laughs> no mas chipo. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, means uh, no much tipo. Yeah, that's the translation. <laughs> no, uh, seriously, though, this is this is really tasty. It's uh, got more flavor to it, but it's still... Feels like it qualifies as a water, if that it's makes a, any yeah. sense. I would yeah. try yes. some gin in this. Yeah, Ooh. gin works phenomenally in it. Yeah. Uh, you got just like all the botanicals, to maybe a little vodka hops. even. Yeah, yeah. Like some grapefruit vodka would be yeah. good. Yeah, in that. absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely good. I do want to mention before we uh, uh, say so long to everybody that Ian also poured uh, a beer that they brought today, yeah. which is one of my absolute favorites. Mm. It's one that Blue if I am IPA. this is if if I'm like at a restaurant and they have this on the menu. I actually send back compliments 
to the uh, to whoever does the Thank beer you. list. This is so. our Blue Tile IPA. It's 100% so mosaic hops. This uh, is you can find it pretty widely available. This at is the not bars your average IPA. No, this it's is, not. This is different. This IPA is so packed with that one thing. And it's, and a, it's beautiful. It's an unfiltered yeah, it IPA. It's an American style. Um, you're still getting those like f- strong stone fruit notes, but it finishes dry and clean. What I love about Great Heights beers is a lot of their beers are just very clean and very well balanced, and they pair perfectly with with the with any day that Houston has to give you. Abby, if uh, people want to find out more about Pink Boots, how yeah. do they do that? Uh, you can look at uh, www.pinkbootssociety.org. Um, you can also look for uh, a Pink Boots uh, collaboration beer around town, like Flying Saucer or d and nice. um, Yeah, th- uh, there's about 14 different places that picked up a Pink Boots beer awesome. this year. So I yeah. saw on, on Instagram, this, uh, right? On yeah, this, we're on you Instagram. You can look for our Houston, type in Pink Boots Houston chapter. You have this Boss great, lady uh, from Walking Stick. You can find that. Awesome. Kind of pink boots. Does this yeah. go on all your all your beers that you yeah. do? All of our cans That's get that cool. branding. Thank yeah. you guys so much for coming on and telling Thank us about this. Us. Thank you. Will you yeah. please come back on the show oh, in a while sure. and Absolutely. tell us about how this is all going? And uh, and you can come back and tell us about your next barley wine that you're doing. From yeah. <laughs> Have a great week, my Thank friends. You. Thank you for Thank being you. a part Cheers. of Smoking and Johnson. Next Woo. week's a big week for us, so make sure you join us. Have a wonderful week this weekend. Uh, Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Blue tile, baby. There she goes. There she goes.